0: This is Back to Back. All right, welcome to the show. What's up, Back to Backers? My people, how you doing? How's everybody feeling? My name is Willie Joy. I'm glad to have you guys here. Uh, Whether you're going to the gym right now, whether you're in a car, in your headphones on a train... Or no headphones on a train and just playing my voice for a bunch of strangers who are mad at you. At home uh, with your loved ones, at home by yourself feeling lonely. That one got a little weird. Either way, I'm glad to have you guys here we got a great episode today. My guest on the show is DJ Benzie, uh, a legend in the dance music world, in the hip-hop world. Uh, We had a great conversation. I've known Benzie for a really long time. We go way back. We're both uh, Midwest boys who kind of came up in, in weird places in the country. I like the fact that he made his career uh, straight out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. He lives in L.A. now like uh, so many of us do, but it was still cool to me to reminisce about those days and uh, just to kind of go over some of our long history. And Benzie's got a new edition of his Get Right Radio, the summer 2017 edition. Uh, It's premiering July 9th, so that's this week on Diplo and Friends radio show for BBC. So definitely tune in and check that out, July 9th. If you miss it, Keep tuned to all of Benzie's socials. I'm sure he'll post up that mix uh, a little later on. Uh, Benzie's got a Girl Traps USA tour coming at the end of the summer and his Vegas debut coming in August which is big uh, getting that Vegas debut the Vegas plays in general that's a big deal for a DJ and we talk a little bit uh, in this conversation you're about to hear about kind of the weird audition process you have to go through and the politics of, of just doing Vegas. Vegas is a, a totally separate weird entity uh, but it can be great if you, if you kind of work the angles the right way and last but not least busy guy Benzie's got a girl trap ep on the way uh, the first single is called she just wanna it features rich the kid in 24 hours and that's coming real soon so keep an eye peeled on all of that keep up with Benzi on social media and uh hit him up and ask him for some tv and movie recommendations because that's basically all he and i do anymore we barely even talk about music but we talk about music a lot in the uh, next hour that you're gonna hear it was a great conversation i love Benzi. I think a lot of you guys will be surprised by what he's got to say. Uh, He's just a really interesting guy and different than what you might expect. Crazy background in the hip-hop world, came up doing mixtapes for Lil Wayne, the Clips, all of that. And uh, now he's moved into the dance music world kind of occupying a really unique space, just being a conduit for music and kind of just being the plug for a lot of us. Uh, a lot of DJs use his edits, and he's just known for uh, kind of having that ear and and being sort of the, the underground A&R in a way. So we'll get into that in a second. Just want to say thank you guys to everyone who's checked out the last couple shows, Flostradamus and Valentino Khan, the last couple weeks. If you're just joining us for the first time here or uh, just checked in, A couple weeks ago. Definitely go back and listen to all the older episodes we've been putting up in these first two months. We've had some really great guests uh, Diplo, Boombox Cartel, Keys and Crates, uh, the list goes on. But thank you guys so much for tuning in just in general. It means the world to me. Uh, This makes two months that we've been doing it. And man, it feels like we just started. It feels like I have so much more to go. I've got a whole team in place helping me now with this show. And man, some of the plans we have, some of the guests we're lining up. It's going to be really, really fun, you guys. So thank you for being here and tuning in. Tell your friends, email me at back to at gmail.com. I want to hear from you guys. Let's talk about the show. Let's talk about your lives. Let's talk about music. Let's talk about anything you want. I love hearing from you guys. I'm recording this a couple days early, just so you guys know. I'm uh, headed to Vegas tomorrow and just wanted to knock this out before I left. So if anything ground shaking, earth shattering happens in the music world in the next couple days, just be aware that I don't know about it right now because i I'm recording this early. So with that being said, let's just jump into today's episode. This is me and Benzi back to back. Let's go. We're out here in San Diego. Uh we both played a show last night. I did the pre-party or you did the after party, however you wanna say it. It was uh that was fun, man. I feel yeah. like you and I every time we play a show together in the same city, we get into a really weird situation. Yeah,
1: a lot of after parties, a lot of uh, new new friends, one night friends. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah. One night friends is a, a good of, way. A lot put of it. running
0: around, but no. But yeah, it's always the the one random like uh, like you brought a random friend last night who I, we're not going to go into <laughs> it. But <laughs> I don't know, man. It's always those random, and it's not with everyone. It's just with you. I don't know. Yeah, I mean a lot of these cities. Do the you, show? Do you just attract weirdos? You
1: no, just, a lot of I'm saying do the show right back to the hotel, right to sleep. But uh,
0: sometimes you got to turn up and get weird. Well, and you, I feel like you're one of those like uh, like sneaky partiers too. Yes. Like I never see you drink, but then you're drunk. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, uh,
1: <laughs> I've limited drinking just to kind of DJing and working. So in my social life, you know, if if I was to drink every day, there would be a problem. So <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So you don't drink at home at all. No, like, yeah. and so my tolerance is decently low. So those couple shots
0: before the show, and yeah. I'm, I'm rocking. I'm kind of the same way, actually. Yeah, I don't. I barely drink at home at all. People don't. Are you the kind of person? Because for me, like anytime somebody sees me drinking, they're like, "Oh, I thought you didn't drink." Yeah, no. Uh, they uh, the with family and stuff. They, it's they.
1: It's known. I just don't really. I, I'm a I'm a Christian, nice, uh, <laughs> uh, positive behavior you're, boy. You're the good boy. Of the yeah, family. but then they see pictures and stuff, but. I keep it sneaky,
0: just shots, so it's not sipping right. beers. When you're from, uh, speaking of family, you're from Michigan originally, right? Yeah, outside Detroit, an island called Grozeal. How far is that from
1: Ann Arbor? Uh, 45 minutes. So okay. it's, it's smack dab in between Canada and Detroit. So my front yard was Canada, and you'd have to drive over a, a bridge to get to Detroit, and then, yeah, 45 minutes to Ann Arbor. And so it was really an island. It's a real island, $1. fifty to get on, $1. fifty to get off uh and you grew up there like yeah, whole grew up, yeah 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 voted safest place in Michigan uh 20 years running because no criminal is gonna pay to go rob somebody yeah right <laughs> uh but then they there is also a free bridge but it's a lot further to drive over and uh, when I was a kid a, a boat ran into the bridge. Wow. So we were kind of stuck for a while. And uh, yeah, on the island, there only is a pizza place, a grocery store, and um, a Chinese restaurant. So. so like small town vibes. Yeah.
0: So if you want to go to McDonald's, you have to pay an extra $3. <laughs> so, I mean, what was that like as a kid? Like, was it was it really small town vibes? Like, you just yeah, knew? Yeah, I mean, it was it was
1: very um, insulated. They are really sheltered. Um, and so I would, once I got a car, I would drive downtown Detroit yeah. as much as I could, go to record stores, um,
0: and I was looked at as the only urban kid in this, uh, right. oasis. Of- <laughs> well, how did that come about? Like as a kid, what kind of musical influences did you have? Like- so it
1: was just straight hip hop, hip hop. I was lucky enough to have kids that were like four years older than me. Cause I was lucky to be good at basketball. So right. I was promoted to play with the older kids, you know, Were you worst. always a giant person? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, these older kids knew about Wu-Tang when I was, you know, in, sixth grade, whatever. And so they would give me tapes. And then through that, I got a subscription to the source. In the back of the source, you could buy turntables for $300, right. uh, a whole kit, two turntables, a mixer. Like was, just off brand? Uh, yeah, I think it was Gem- It was called Gemini. Oh, it was Gemini. So okay. yeah, so I was okay. the first person to do that. And when I, I had no idea what to do, but I bought these and I became the the coolest kid, so people would come over and try and scratch and stuff. And so, I mean, how many people were even living on this uh, island? There's like ten thousand. It's thirteen miles round. I think okay. like that. Um, not a lot, but you know, everyone knows each other. And it's a great place to raise kids, though. I mean, it's um, really good schools. And
0: yeah, did you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, girl? I have one
1: sister. She's a year younger than me, and she, um, yeah, she loved it too. She lives in Manhattan now. She's a high executive working <laughs> in. Uh, so you're like the black sheep. Kind of, yeah, but (laughs) I was lucky she just had a child. uh, She had a son. Oh, wow. And so that's taking the pressure off me. My parents are happy. They're they're grandparents and they're killing it. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. That's a weird thing with the lifestyle we lead to try to think about kids. And uh, I, I don't know, like my parents, I know that they want me to have kids. I know that would... They would be really psyched about it. But they're good. They don't like put a lot of pressure on. But it's always in the back of my mind. You know, it's like, I know that's like what's expected. Yeah. But um, I'd be a shitty dad. Like, and you would be a shitty dad, right? I would, like, I would be. Yeah. I mean, trapped. I would be good, but you know. Well, that, I'm just if saying, you're not there. That's what I'm there. saying. We travel too much. Like, I, I'm not a shitty person, but I just wouldn't be there. You know, I'm almost working or thinking about stuff 24 hours a day. And uh, it would be unfair to that child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did your parents do? So it's uh, like, how did they end up on the island? It's a f- so we grew up, uh, my parents
1: grew up in Allen Park, Michigan, which is like five miles south of Detroit. And uh, they actually went to high school e- with each other in Allen Park. They went to college and uh, met back up and started a relationship and they moved back to Allen Park. And my family, my dad opened some Kentucky fried chickens. Uh, initially one and then three so from that it was just kind of the american dream he would see this island uh which was pretty close to where they all grew up and it was the the place you would move to if you're successful and um a couple years later he he worked his way up and we yeah we got to live there and uh continued the kfc thing for a while and um now they uh sold them and now they're retired
0: and they live in traverse city michigan which is like the resort right yeah yeah so i mean was it an enterprise for like an empire for a minute there yeah
1: i mean it, it was my whole life right so all our birthday parties were at kfc we would uh <laughs> i worked there starting in seventh grade uh all the way through who knows maybe if it wasn't for dj now maybe i'd still be there running some of these um did they want you to like was that no i think my dad always wanted to get out the, with the, the economy in detroit was kind of you know on the decline so there was always a sense that this was a a great thing but the, sh- the ship really wasn't heading anywhere so um it was amazing childhood to have that uh k always to to turn to for something to eat and, can, uh, can you still eat it or are you just yeah i mean it's it's uh yeah it's a good place it gets a bad rap sometimes but um you know we had healthy options we uh
0: i just meant because you must have eaten so oh much no yeah yeah, like, yeah 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 but yeah. there's there's a lot on the menu also we
1: offered fish we offered uh some different options to keep it spicy and uh
0: yeah no I love I feel I love like KFC. you're selling it to me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like KFC. <laughs> I worked at Papa John's for a bunch of summers running. We didn't own him. I just worked there, but uh after that, like I can't eat Papa John's pizza anymore because right. I just ate too much of it. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was a stage, but now uh, now I look on it fondly because yeah. I'm, I'm kind of separated
0: from it. <laughs> well, and I mean, if, it, if that was the family business too.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, but that smelt like my dad's car, I remember as a child, just was chicken. And and after you'd worked there for, you know, you, you, you'd you smell it would be in your skin, but um, good times. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so you're buying turntables. What age is this? 16.
1: And right. so I got my car. And I would drive to a place called Record Time in I think it's Roseville, Michigan. And uh, there was a couple other record stores. And I met a guy called House Shoes, who's like a Detroit Institute, the the dude who was at the time working with Slum Village. He, you know, and at this store, Eminem, this was the store, Eminem would come in and drop his tapes off where anybody knew him. Yeah. And the staff there was just the most knowledgeable people. I mean, there was a whole. So this is like late '90s. yeah, uh, Yeah, yeah, and there was a you know a house uh section run by Mike Huckabee, who's uh, another legend. So these guys were like the guys. And I would just stand there. And sometimes people would think I was an employee. I would just like stand there and just uh absorb everything. And uh that was kind of my routine. So did they kind of get
0: to know you? Yeah.
1: No, yeah. We uh there's one story where House Shoe said, Let's go get some lunch and I drove and he introduced me to the weed for the first time ah. and i uh, almost lost my mind i was like <laughs> i'm in the middle of nowhere i can't drive and uh, yeah so i just sat in the record store and like stared at uh, the wall for a couple hours but right. no it was a great uh, and and they you know all these new records would come in and i started getting this sense of what was cool and then taking that back to a, uh, an insulated city where no one knew anything i was i was the the dude and this is right is the internet was taking off so i became the first person who had a ability to make mixtapes and mix cds and download mp3s and so i began my enterprise of uh starting the benzy mixtapes and instead of filling my bag with uh books i would sell sell straight mixtapes at school yeah 10 bucks a pop yeah so even in high school you were hustling yeah 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 Yeah. And, and 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 there's still copies of them and i then i senior year i got uh the color Printer thing where you could print the actual image on the CD. Right. So I my game up, my price went up. Yeah, at the beginning, there were just compilations. There was almost no mixing.
0: But then I got some programs and, uh, yeah, those CDs what, are legendary. What kind of music were you putting on them at that it point? Was, was it just records people didn't have yet? No, it or? was
1: it was um, the songs everyone wanted to hear. But then my couple uh, at the time you could buy Av Eight or Crook yeah. and Clan records, so I'd rip those. So yeah, the couple novelty mashups and stuff. I I wasn't making mashups or anything at the time. But um, and then obviously the the, the Britney Spears backstreet boys and
0: yeah yeah all of that got to move the units the, those mashup records were legendary Man, i own so many of those av8 or the crooklyn clan ones the or, sad yeah. part though is if you're looking like i just revisited a bunch of them because i was doing this database
1: thing and wow they really are bad <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of really bad but ones. no maybe yeah there's some good ones still that I, there, there's still tools i use all the time but yeah the, and sh- 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 shouts to those guys, though, to, to just be doing that at that time. This, oh, yeah. It's crazy. It was visionary.
0: I mean, I was talking to uh, to Diplo about his early, like, the Hollertronics mashup records. Yeah. You know, some of which have aged better no, than I others. No, I just listened to those, like, too,
1: and some yeah, of some yeah, them sound great. Some
0: of them were really good, and it's just what he was saying was that he thought the way they put them together, like him and Low Budget, was, like, sort of visionary at the time for combining. It's almost like what he does now but just in a really primitive version of like just- No, no, they they set they changed everything by mixing the Missy Elliott with, you know,
1: The Clash. And uh, obviously there was uh, those group of guys from UK that did it. I forget their name. Oh, yeah. The, I know who the you're The most legendary about. dudes. But, yeah. no, and, I mean, they completely changed what I thought I should be doing. So much so that one of my first biggest mixtapes, I straight up stole their name. They're, they're, one of their mixtapes called Never Scared. My CD was called Never Scared. <laughs> and I put a Britney Spears picture on the CD where she was very scared. So, shouts to them for letting me just straight up jack their uh,
0: whole steez <laughs> but i mean that's the mixtape mentality right that's the yeah. the hip hop dj mentality but a, like,
1: a guy just released a mixtape called girl traps last week and i i was
0: Almost wanted to go on Twitter and be like, brah. Yeah. But then I thought about, yeah, that was me, so what right, are you going right. to do? Yeah, nipping at your heels, man. <laughs> <laughs> How long did you live on the island? Like, when did you move away? All the way to, to finish high school, and then I went to uh, Western Michigan
1: University, which okay. is Kalamazoo, dead smack in between Detroit and Chicago. Yep. And, uh, yeah, the minute I got on campus, I had these turntables, thought I was a good DJ, which I really wasn't. But in high school, I DJed my prom. I DJ'd at my homecoming, so my date would literally stand next to me while I DJ'd. Yeah, I DJ'd this my is,
0: Valentine's dance. This in high is school. quote
1: unquote DJing. Like looking back, I was almost hitting stop and hitting play. Um Using records, right? Using Fine. records, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And playing, you know, like Alice DJ Better Off Alone or or Sandstorm, playing the whole six minute song, yeah. hitting stop and then playing the next record. But I showed up at college, thought I was the dude. Went right to a fraternity, said, Yo, I'm your DJ. And they were nice enough to say, Sure, you're our DJ. And uh, I proceeded to DJ for the whole first semester for them. And they said, Yo, I'll pay you when it's over. And I walked in the last day and they said, We're not paying
0: you. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> so that was my introduction. I would lug, yeah, I would lug all my equipment there. Yep. Every, oh, yeah. Oh, man. I had so many college experiences like that because you bring the turntables, you bring all these crates of records. And
1: you know, then it's 3 a.m. and you're drunk. I was lucky enough to have this coffin that was like almost almost. almost bulletproof i could take the turntables slap them in this coffin throw the coffin off a two-story building and (laughs) everything's straight in there but um yeah it was a good introductory to uh the tactics of of bookers and uh, oh yeah i mean that is basically (laughs) how the music industry still works (laughs) yeah but it it was also like kind of a shell shock because i I thought i was the dude i come in there with my mixtapes with my thing the mixtapes obviously were a huge hit but people are like have you ever seen a real dj that's a you know a
0: real college uh club dj you need some work. Had, so you really hadn't seen other DJs. No, of course.
1: Uh, but there's, you know, these. Uh, it's not entitlement, but it's just this kind of. I lived in a bubble, right? Well, yeah. So you, were, you were the big fish in the uh, little yeah pond. big yeah. fish in a little pond, living in a bubble and uh, thinking my shit don't stink. But you know, it, it worked out. It made me work a little harder. And uh, then by sophomore year, I approached some of the biggest nightclubs in Kalamazoo and um, got shot down by some guys and. uh,
0: Knew I needed to work on it a little bit more. Have you ever talked to to Kurt Flosterdamus about Kalamazoo? Because you guys might have even been yeah, there at he the was, same time. He, we kind of overlapped a little
1: bit, and he was I was more like on campus campus. But yeah, we never really crushed paths personally. But yeah,
0: we we obviously had some shared stories and shared. Uh, People. You're the only two DJs from Kalamazoo I, I've ever heard of.
1: Well, then the, the, so the, the story about the going to the clubs was there was these three guys who were the main establishment and I think some of them still might be there in, in these clubs in Kalamazoo. And the guy who kind of shot me down was like, yo, you don't even deserve to be here, turned out to be DJ White Shadow. Who, oh, yeah. Who proceeded to produce um, Lady Gaga stuff. So shouts to him for kind of giving me a reality check. And, and they they were great club DJs, and they really you know opened me up to uh, how to kill a party open format-wise and what
0: what to do. Yeah, White Shadow's always been a, such a good DJ and, yeah. and a really good dude, too. He was a Chicago mainstay. I played a lot of shows with him when I was yeah, so kind of coming what up. What happened was... He heads off to Chicago to take off, and boom, there's an empty slot that your
1: boy kind of filled, I guess, <laughs> to the best of my ability. So that was like
0: your first club residency?
1: Yeah, no, I kind of bounced around, yeah, and, and um, the fraternity thing was great, because you know I never was the type to rush fraternity, or that really wasn't my scene, but I was almost adopted by all the fraternities, so I could go from fraternity to fraternity and um, play anywhere
0: and... Uh, for not a lot of money, but yeah, it was, it was, I had fun in college. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what was like your C, who were who you were hanging out with in college? Like, were you a a sports guy? Yeah, sports. And um, it
1: turned out, you know, I met a lot of people
0: that were from
1: closer cities by me in Detroit and we, we created this crew and um, they're still my good friends to this day. And yeah. Was that
0: some of the, the hip hop origins? No, no. These are straight
1: bros. These are are bro bros. And then, uh, and then also just rolling into the dorms freshman year we formed this crew of this, uh, our whole hall, and uh, I'm still friends with them to this day. And we are so legendary that, powered by my mixtapes, by the end of first semester, we had a police officer stand at the end of the hall every evening. Why? Uh, we uh, we got into it. We would, uh, you know, just do the slip, sh- set up a slip inside in the hall, uh, you know, parties, fights, uh, <laughs> underage drinking, obviously. Um, yeah, we went for it. We didn't really think about classes too much we just went for it and um what, what were you studying uh business and uh computer information systems my manager under business wing but then by sophomore year we i was pedaling by in school decently by sophomore year is when it got real legendary and we took it to the next level we thought why don't we move to the middle of kind of the hood, the urban area of Kalamazoo and buy a huge warehouse? Yeah, I see where this is And going. This, this warehouse was an actual like old factory that housed whatever, and they turned into 15 bedrooms. And these bedrooms varied from a nice bedroom to an actual closet, which they called the bedroom. <laughs> and <laughs> we uh, had to
0: sleep in the closet? Well,
1: so they said, you can either have this nice room or you can have the closet. And I said, well, why don't you take the nice room? I'll pay you to knock the... Wall out and put a window in so I can create a quote unquote DJ booth. So that became my room, but this was my DJ booth. So I actually slept in the closet. (laughs) Um, But this DJ booth thing overlooked this huge living room. I mean, huge, like huge ceilings. And so after like day two, the local kids would knock on the door and be like, is this a club? What, what time you guys open? We're like, no, we live here. And um, that kicked off just the craze every day. It was a massive party, you know, charging entry. And wow. um, and it was a good introduction to just every day. I just focused on DJ, focusing on getting better at mashups, getting better at whatever. But by the end of this foray, after the first semester, all but me and two people moved out. So okay. They couldn't handle it. By the end of the second semester, the parties continued and I ended up getting a 0.0. I was 0. 0.0 GPA. I failed bowling, <laughs> which is a hard one to fail. I failed some.
0: Did you? How did you fail bowling? You throw it the wrong. I just way. didn't go. Okay,
1: you know what I mean. Um, I don't, yeah, that was a crazy time. I just kind of don't know what I was thinking. So. That summer, I came home to see my parents, and the minute I walked in the door, it wasn't a hi, it wasn't a hello, it was, here's a plane ticket, we're sending you to California to live with my dad's best friend, and you're going to do some hard labor for the summer, and you're going to get your head on straight. Oh, wow, like rehab almost. Kind of, yeah. So I ended up in Sherman Oaks, right out in the valley in LA, and I was climbing underneath houses spraying for termites, putting end up... there was animals that's, underneath there. That's it, like my nightmare. It was, um, yeah. But I had, you know, I had no, but again, I had no friends in LA. So what am I going to do? I went to the record store every day. I went to Fat Beats. I met more people. And by the end of the summer, I had made a lot of money. I've, I'd learned some responsibility, but I had huge stacks of records, which my dumb ass didn't think, how the hell am I going to get these back to Michigan? Right. So I spent almost everything I made on shipping to get these records back to uh, Michigan. But, It did teach me that, hey, maybe I should get my shit on straight. And um, came back to Kalamazoo, retook all those classes. Obviously, that put me back a year, but I eventually got my degree. And uh, yeah... (laughs) <laughs> good times <laughs> and shouts to my parents though for for standing
0: by me and uh i don't know yeah big ups <laughs> what do they what do they think of what you do now do they understand what djing is, oh you know like, they
1: come to shows yeah. they they know they follow diplo they follow like i did that thing with the chain smokers they follow the chain smokers they, they're great about uh everything you know they're 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 hip i guess you would say yeah they've, yeah they I mean they've they've came to some things um and yeah they're real supportive and uh we are just in the office christmas party movie and they waited to the very end of the credits to see my name and the credits and so you know they're real supportive but you know when i got my degree i think there was obviously an assumption that hey we paid for your education maybe it's time to get a a real
0: job how did that conversation get it,
1: it went from oh shit okay i'm gonna go to some uh, interviews but at the same time i again was lucky enough to start doing the mixtapes pretty big working for Little Wayne, Clips, and even Kanye West. So I kind of had, hey, look, this kind of is doing good, and um, I can make some money doing
0: this enough to get by for a while. Um, let's keep going on this and see what happens. So, yeah. So were those, those early mixtapes the ones that kind of really got your name out there, yeah. that was right after college? No, that was, yeah, like in college, it was kind of mixed. No, yeah, yeah
1: well, I guess it was after. Uh, in college, I would just call people, right? So I'd be like, I knew people on the internet, so I would just call like Pitbull's manager. I would call Rick Ross's manager. And the first person to respond was the Ying Yang Twins. And they left a voicemail. And they said, it's Benzy, blah, 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 blah. And that was amazing. So my first mixtape, which was somewhat big, was with Ying Yang Twins. But all they really did was host it and, and give me some songs. And um, then I met yeah Pitbull Pit who was very young at the time and it was very eager and he would do anything I wanted. He really, freestyle and he, and
0: that's why I, he's so successful. He was very determined. So shouts to Pitbull, he did a great job. Yeah, he's still got that mentality even yeah. now. I mean, even now he'll do the craziest. I don't know. He's the hardest working dude. Yeah, I mean, he was quick to respond. And then through there, I somehow landed a
1: couple. Rick Ross did one, so that gave me some clout. And then when the Clips thing came about where that was actually tackling a whole project of remixing their, their We Got It For Cheap series, I had this somewhat made up uh, cachet in the industry, but somewhat relevant. Right. And I was just lucky that that project turned out really good
0: and we went from there. Before this even started, how did you decide that was what you wanted to do is sort of linking up with rappers? Uh, so? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's just kind of following the trends of what's cool, I guess. You know,
0: I mean, we always listen to rap, right? But we yeah. would listen to like,
1: quote unquote, underground rap. But my whole thing, I guess, even to this day is, you know, what does everyone like? You know what I mean? If I'm going to this fraternity, I'm going to this club or I'm trying to DJ a rave for the first time, I can't go in there playing, you know, most stuff and and all the stuff I actually like. So if I had an opportunity to work with somebody that everyone likes now more, you know what I mean? So it's just kind of spinning into that. And then I became obsessed with the Neptunes and anything they did. And so working with the clips actually branched off from me being a little obsessed fan and being on a Neptunes message board secret IRC chat thing <laughs> where their engineer just happened to be on there noticed me and and said hey uh you seem like the
0: guy, and you stood it done, and it was it worked out from there. So, did you have any like connection with the artist themselves? Like you said, you know, Pitbull, he would do whatever you wanted him to do yep. when you were talking, you did he, you know, clips or little ways, yeah, whatever? So I mean, the clips thing was a very hands on project,
1: right? So, they gave me all the files, but that was through the engineer, and I don't really think they knew kind of what was going on. But these artists do respond after you. Deliver the product. Right. So we delivered the product, and then they're like, this is actually pretty cool. So then they went in and recorded interludes and kind of spice it up a little bit. A couple years later, it was actually funny because I was doing a show in Boston, and they were playing a theater across the street. And they walk outside the theater, and they see my name and the marquee across the street. And they're like, hey, we know that guy. And they popped in, and um, it was an interesting evening. <laughs> they uh, they kind of hijacked my set, but for the better. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they kept stealing my bottle of vodka. And then I'd be like, where's this? and the club would replace it, and they would steal it. And um, but <laughs> that's, no.
0: that's a standard rapper. they're like, yeah, you're
1: the guy. Let's do this. And so, shouts to them. Other artists, like Little Wayne, who—it was another huge project— I don't even know if Little Wayne actually heard the thing. Or Ever. It was through his team, yeah. And um, the craziest story about that one, which is probably the most amazing story, was we got all these files from his team. Maybe it came out to like 50 acapellas, but a lot of them were unfinished. And so somehow we had to formulate these into songs. And one right. of them turned out to be a song with the cool kids called "Getting It, which was a great song. You know, another one I gave to Diplo, he made a remix and it went from there. And we formulated this mixtape. And at the time, Lil Wayne was just about to pop off with the Grammys and everything. And I had signed with this very small label. And I don't think they understood that it was a mixtape. I'm not really sure, but they went and put it out for sale. Oh, wow. CDs all over the world. You'd go to Norway, this CD would be in, in stores. <laughs> So then it went th- up on iTunes, but because it was such a weird thing, it got linked to my TuneCore account, which is
0: pretty much any sales go right to your PayPal, or right to your account. Yeah, so TuneCore is basically, for anyone listening, uh, it's how you can release music totally independent. Like you, you yourself can just put a song on iTunes. You just pay them a small amount of money. And it just goes up. You don't need a label or yeah. whatever. And so
1: as the demand for Little Wayne went higher, I think right as he's about to win all these Grammys, people are searching Little Wayne album, mistakenly or not, purchasing my project. And I was in Norway on tour, one of my first tours, which I'm already nervous about. And I get a call saying from my sister or somebody saying, he won't believe it. You have the number one rap album on iTunes. That's all but the only time you don't want to hear that. Yeah and i was like oh boy here we go and so that was followed by the label guys being like did you see how much money's in this account and the money kept going up and then um two days later i get a call from you know interscope or whatever the label it was yeah we had to turn all the money over to them and kind of cease and desist but the problem was how do you go to every record store all over the world and take it off the shelves right And so that was a logistical nightmare. And that was my first foray into lawyers and um, all those good times. So from there, I thought, hey, these these mixtape things are cool. They're helping me. I'm I'm in Norway right now. I'm DJing off this. I'm going to stop. But then six months later, I get offered the Kanye West thing. And that was... How did that come about? That was through Plain Pat, who was... Kanye's manager at the time and who's a great guy. He yeah. I guess he had heard some of the previous stuff and and knew that I knew, you know, a diplo a A-track, catch dubs, we were all kind of part of the same crew, and that I could do something with Kanye's thing. Yeah. So he gave me all the stems to Kanye's first two albums, I think it was. And yeah. uh, or maybe the second and third album. You're probably the only person who has the yeah. Pro Tool stems. And I didn't know how to actually unzip the Pro Tool stems. That was probably about the first two weeks, was like, what do I do with these files? Right. But just having that was like, oh shit. We're in the big leagues now. Let's let's do this proper. So I reached out to the same, you know, uh, uh, Diplo did Flashing Lights. Uh, Nick Hatch Dubs did Champion. And and then I linked up with the, the kick drums, up and coming kind of producer guys from Cleveland. And because I wanted a more hip hop sound and they killed, I think they did three songs. Yeah, I remember that. And then through the kick drums, I went on AIM and reached out to Kid Cudi, who had just signed with Kanye. And with the luck of the internet, Kid Cudi delivered a brand new verse and... Got introduced to Big Sean, and Sean did a verse, and the project took on a life of its own. And And uh, I just listened to it a couple of weeks ago, and it still
0: sounds pretty good to this day. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, that was a, a huge project at the time. Did yeah. you ever get any feedback from Kanye's yeah, side so on it? W-
1: we did the first, um, the whole thing was, all right, it's done, it's in Kanye's hands. And the story as I know it is they were working in Hawaii. So Kanye was continually flying back and forth from... Uh, L.A. or whatever to Hawaii, which is a long flight. Yeah. And every time they would land, I would text Pat or hit him on my uh, sidekick. Hey, did uh, you listen to it? And he said no no he just sat there somehow i th- i don't know why this is a funny story but he i guess kanye would be on the plane and be like i'm bored i have nothing to do and i say pat you know yeah. so i guess kanye would watch the same family guy star Wars movie star wars <laughs> on his <laughs> computer or whatever just over and over yeah and this you know went on for i who knows if that's a true story but eventually on the plane kanye listened to it and said this is dope and at the time kanye had that kanyewest.com which was like the tastemaker, you know, if Nike released, somehow Kanye West.com became like- Yeah, it was the, like hype beast almost. Yeah, or the Misinfo or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so he posted on there or his team posted on there and said, this is dope, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, all guns ahead, let's go. Um, guns blazing. And we linked up with this company called iMeme at the time, which was like a wannabe Spotify. They did the exclusive. And with the first day they launched it, they were, quote-unquote, a real wannabe Spotify because we broke their servers, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it got shut down. And so we had to relaunch it, but, yeah, and, you know, it was great. MTV picked it up, and the, and the title of the MTV Story is kind of like the legacy of it because it says, new Kanye West album, and then it says, just kidding, but it is a new album, blah, blah, blah. But, right. And, you know, it was great timing because Cuddy obviously blew up right then and having a new song with Cuddy and... um diplo and everyone kind of went on from there and it's a good um launching off point for stuff
0: so how did you meet uh all of that network of people you know diplo and catch dubs and i mean i you and i met around that same time yeah i don't really remember how i guess it's it's hollerboard right yeah it's it's, it's all hollerboard it's
1: me (laughs) searching for i became a yeah fan of of diplo's music through his first album florida um which is more instrumentally stuff yeah I was working as a cleaner that summer. I remember I I had to sweep. Every day I would just sweep the same areas. And I would just listen to the album over and over. And somehow I was searching for mashups. I find this magical message board where all these people who I'm, you know, liking uh, the more indie music type stuff, they're all on this message board. And um, through there I... we all kept in contact too on instant messenger so for a while m- my whole life was based around my aol instant messenger. oh i remember
0: that period because I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm talking to west you know hours on end every day. T- nick catch dubs is at you know i could text him message him and say hey, what's this song he you know he's in he knows everything so yeah well um, and you
0: and me both i remember if i would leave my computer for like an hour i would come back and the whole screen would be yeah. full of your messages <laughs> my, yeah i would just bombard everybody
1: and the fact that you could just send a file while the person wasn't there which is you know i wish they had that in, in g chat sometimes yeah the true. google thing I, looking back on my buddy list i had crazy you know i had like asher roth all these rappers and and that's how i met the, i think the cool kids was through in semester so yeah staying in contact that way and um and also it was the holler board and, and this message board system with all these djs was a good way for me to kind of when i started making stuff getting a good reaction for people because even though they were somewhat nice if they didn't like it, no one would respond. Yeah, and And it uh, was,
0: I mean, it was the board for tastemakers kind of before, like, the idea of a tastemaker even existed for DJs. And I still have people come up to me and say, you know, I remember you from that, and so that was a great... um, it's like a weird little secret society, man. Because really, there were only, I was, Diplo and I were trying to figure it out. It was probably like 200 people on their tops, you know? Yeah. But the, all those people have gone on to be such huge influences in our world. Yeah. I don't, I know. don't
1: know how it all came about, but I'm, I'm happy it did. <laughs> yeah, me
0: too, man. And I'm happy whoever paid that, uh, to keep it up whoever paid the internet fee like who paid that the was hosting low, i low budget paid for it i think don't you remember once he like asked for a buddy yeah like yeah well thank you yeah. thank you for that man absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and so you were touring a little bit off these mixtapes yeah at this i got point. to um
1: yeah and you know i went from these very small college things to i think the first thing literally was hey Come to Norway or come to somehow I got big in Scandinavia. Was
0: that the um, uh, juicy? Yeah, juicy guys yeah, and yeah. top villain and yeah. Finland. Yeah, yeah. and um, I, I went and did one. But of But it's kind of like fake until you make it, you know. So I,
1: I show up and I'm like, yeah, I'm the, I'm the fucking man. Let's do this. But in reality, I'm like, fuck, what the yeah. hell am I doing? <laughs> right. um, but yeah, it worked out. I, I remember being really nervous and and uh, had you done much traveling just in no, general? No, so yeah. The f- well, yeah, you know, as far as family vacations, but no, then it's boom. You're on a plane. You're about to play yeah. in front of people in Norway. Yeah, getting thrown to the wolves like that, I guess, is is a good thing. Um, and yeah, coming back to America and just running around and being kind of that hipster open formatty guy, you know, playing Jersey club and playing whatever I was playing at the time.
0: Yeah. I mean, you kind of had one foot in each world I, 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 and you still do in a way like that's yeah. how I've always seen you as you you straddle the line between mainstream and underground, between rap and dance, you know, whatever it is, uh, you're really yeah. good at kind of keeping in the middle. Because, you know, to pay the bills for a lot of years, I had to pop up at these casinos or these um
1: Vegasy type of bottle spot places and in illinois or in idaho or in the weirdest places and um kill it with the lady gaga mashups um do you like doing shows like that i some yeah because now they're very spread out when i lived in new york i had a residency in atlantic city yeah and uh i would almost look at it as a challenge and there was times there where i would like yeah get in a zone and it was it was pretty cool and the response was always really good, but there is a sense that if you had to do that every weekend of your life, that yeah. there would be some problems. Yeah, you want to kill yourself after yeah. a while. And and amazing stories where like a guy would come up, a bachelor party came up and said, why do you have DJ Benzie stickers on your computer? Why would you pretend to be somebody you're not? And I said, well, I am DJ Benzie. And they said, and the guy was drunk, obviously. Yeah. He said, DJ Benzie would not be DJing here right now. Wow. <laughs> or he said, DJ Benzie would not be playing the song right now. <laughs> um, Shots to that guy. Yeah, <laughs> and then all other stories where you know I would have to uh, announce a guy who just got drafted in the NFLs because he bought a bottle next to me. And I get on the mic, so-and-so shouts to him. And I said his name wrong. Oh, yeah. And the manager says, all right, you need to do it again. So I stopped the music again, said his name wrong. Third time, the guy's about to punch me in the face. And, you know, <laughs> those t- And, oh, one time when they stopped the music because Corey Feldman came in. Okay, shut it down. And then there was another story where I, I flew to Vegas to play one of my biggest shows. I'm not going to say what club it was. And while I was playing the first song, they said, you have to stop and hit play on this CD. And I hit play on this CD and it was like either the Rocky theme or Superman theme and they carried a guy in on a chair and I thought at first it was a wheelchair but it was a guy who was this big spender and and he was followed by women and they carried him in a chair and they put him in his own section and you know boom party's back on and I think I was playing one of the biggest songs at the time and I played another song so I had been DJing for 10 minutes total yeah and they came up and they the manager put his arm around me and he said that was amazing. That, that, that was great. I We'll, we'll be in contact. Wow. And I said, well, I just flew here. What's the problem? And he said, the big spender over there it really isn't familiar with you, and he would like to hear somebody else. Wow.
0: That so, is a very professional way of saying get the fuck out of the Yeah, bird.
1: and I there is a story behind why he, he actually hooks up with the other DJs and gives them a playlist oh, beforehand okay. because he spends so much money. And um, I wasn't... Prevy to that playlist, and i didn't you know wasn't yeah.
0: good for him, and uh yeah, <laughs> the bottle service world is is just it's, so it, bizarre, it, man a,
1: a business driven by money, yeah. everything but really driven by money like, well, it,
0: but what's interesting, I mean, it is driven by money, but it's it's you know the people who want to spend this money, who are propping up the bottle service world it's you know kind of these crazy people who want to build this like fantasy world for right. themselves. In a way, I'm not even mad because it's like, you know, if that's really how you have fun, like, it's sort of amazing that someone would spend, you know, whatever, $50,000, $100,000 for one night just so someone will carry you on a chair. You know what I mean?
1: This guy supposedly invented a component to the BlackBerry. So I think the money
0: was limitless, you know? Yeah. Um, But that's how he chose to spend it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I had limitless- But he's that dude. He's that dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, if I had limitless money- I would buy a lot of stuff, but I wouldn't pay someone I'd, to carry I'd buy me on a, a private chair. island. <laughs> Maybe you could buy the same <laughs> island you grew up on. Man. Yeah, but you know, and 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 so, but then it, it leads into
1: where these clubs were like, well, why would I hire you as a DJ, or I would hire a guy who is going to bring in people already that buy bottles, right? So it's right. built. So there's so many components to it, and the music almost is secondary, which. Is a bad thing, good thing? You know, there's stories where DJ Jazzy Jeff got kicked off because they yeah, didn't know he was. So. A bunch of
0: legends of, yeah, that happened. But
1: it's kind of transformed in Vegas now where everything is EDM-based and everything is headliner-based where, you know, these clubs have these contracts with the guys and they're not going to kick somebody off. And right. it's kind of deal with it. But you do see, and I do speak to a lot of our contemporaries who are bigger than us who do have to conform a little bit and play a, a different set.
0: Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, the flip side of that is the smaller dudes who still have those Vegas contracts, like not the super famous guys, but the guys who are kind of at the bottom of the marquee, but they still got the contract, you know, it's the same thing. It's just in a different way where those guys get the off nights, they get the slow nights, they play on the Tuesdays, the Wednesdays. Yeah. It, it's sort of a polite way of, be, of saying, we don't want you when it's really busy, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, we had our, we had a situation where we had a big, like a big uh, test out trial with one of the big casinos. And I was very looking forward to it and they rolled out the red carpet, but our tryout test out time was at three in the morning on a Wednesday. Yeah. And the headliner was a great, House guy and and he he killed it so the crowd's energy was you know gone to begin with so it was a straight uphill battle we did our best but that's our tryout so, yeah and you um, only get
0: the one right yeah
1: so it's it is what it is but you know the but the art of being a good open format DJ is is um is a real thing and I I respect a lot of the guys that do it do yeah it
0: good. it's I mean I'd say it's harder to do that than it is to. An EDM DJ, yeah. you know,
1: but and another crazy trend though in New York though is happening with the open, the quote unquote open format in New York is now just hip hop, right? right. Whereas I would always kill it at these places with hip hop because I'm hip hop oriented. I have all the the best hip hop edits, quote unquote. I make all the best hip hop shit. Blah blah blah. But then I got to somehow force a transition into this EDM stuff, and these hip-hop guys in this club are going to hate me, right? Right. And, but now the club's going to sell bottles. You eliminate that element now in 2017, and dudes are just playing Young Thug all night, well, everyone's going to be happy, and so right. I wish I was an upcoming
0: DJ in, in the open-format world right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. But that's really what it's all about, right, is is what you were saying earlier. You want to make people happy, like you want to play what they like, yeah. right? And depending on where you are, that's gonna be a different thing if you're- a, Yeah, if but you're and,
1: and, and even in, in those situations, you're always gonna uh, isolate or, or piss off somebody, at least 30% of the people, right? Because right. 30% of people wanna hear old school things. You know, 30% want EDM, 30% want hip hop, and then 30% come up and say, play reggae, which is the
0: the random Yeah, (laughs) Well, that was like 120% there. Yeah,
1: (laughs) oh, well, my math is the best. But the whole, that's the art of, is, you know, every 15 minutes in my head is a a clock saying, or I need to change genres, or I need to do something different. When you see it done well, it's, oh, cool, that was a fun night, but when you see it done poorly, which I've seen a lot, or I've gone to a bachelor party and been stuck at a club and been like, wow, when this is done poorly, it, it's pretty. It's pretty bad.
0: Well, and for you, at least the way I see it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like the way I see how you DJ is really what's important to you is you know the exclusives, the edits, you know, making sure that basically everything you're playing, no one else has, or if yeah. they have it, they got it from you. Kind of, yeah. Or just crossing every base, I guess. Yeah. So
1: like, or hitting every. Everything, you know, play all the biggest drops, Wide play appeal. all the biggest rap songs, and and make sure you know no no big rap song was was left unturned and
0: uh, right. But with all those big rap songs, it's all your edits. Yeah, and- yeah.
1: But I mean, that's for years. I would just keep everything to myself. And just recently, I just thought, screw it. Because I can only be in one nightclub, you know, a night in one city, right? Yeah. But there's uh, all of the rest of us or the rest of everyone else in all these other cities. So fuck it. Why not have them play all the shit? Yeah. So, and it, it it's turned out cool. And, you know, there's been a little blowback of people saying, well, now everyone's going to play the same stuff. But, you know, seeing um, David Guetta, seeing Afrojack play my stuff at, at Ultra was interesting. And I don't know. If yeah. I if I'm if they like it,
0: why not play it? Well, and I mean, I think you are now kind of occupying a really unique position in the, the EDM world of, you know, sort of the the plug, more or less. Yeah. And you're supplying big-name DJs with these edits. You're helping people put together sets and, yeah. you know, mixes and whatever it might be. Can you talk a little bit about, uh, I know you helped out Skrillex when he was opening for Guns N' Roses, yeah. which sounded like kind of a wild experience. Yeah, we, um,
1: so instead of putting together, you know, a, a new future song with a drop, we were tasked with putting together a set that would, you know, he never really has an upscale b- battle when he's DJing because he's Skrillex, but this is an audience that is Guns N' Roses fan, right. who, who maybe not know that Skrillex is opening because it was the only show on the tour where Guns N' Roses had an opener. We wanted to cater to them, but we also wanted to keep it authentic to Skrillex. So the task was creating, you know, a Metallica or Rage Against Machine original song with a buildup into one of Skrillex's biggest drops. Initially, I was like, this might be impossible. But after a couple of days working together, it it, it worked out really, it worked out great. And Rolling Stone did a... um, really cool interview i'm not, sorry a review on it yeah it, w- it worked out great and it sh- it kind of proved to me that shit we could do this with anything i could take a frank sinatra song and yeah. turn it into
0: a well i remember you know back in the day i think the first thing you and i ever worked on was the gucci man yeah. remix that we did for diplo and even that it was the same concept you sent me like a daniel <laughs> Daniel beddingfield yeah daniel beddingfield like instrumental to mix it, you know, basically chop up over the Gucci Mane acapella, which when you sent it to me, I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then we did it and it was yeah. like the best song on that and tape. That same sample was
1: the biggest song of last year. Fifth Harmony,
0: yeah, I know, go to
1: work. So we we were ahead of our time. Yeah, but no, you know that. Um, it's a it's a cool space to be in, and you know to work with with Skrillex was amazing. And you know maybe one day we'll take all those edits and put them together as an hour show to show people. But I mean it was a, it was an amazing experience, and uh, I've been fortunate to help other people out too. And you know it's it's cool. That was the whole thing about being like secretive, you know, if you would have taken my computer in 2012, 2010, I have everything on there, but what good is it now? You know what I mean? So yeah. might as well... Share it with people and and also help like some of these younger kids who go on my DJ service or purchase stuff from me. Give the tools, to, you know, t- to to take off from there. But you know, I'm not. If you, if you do have all my songs, you still have to have some sense of what the hell is going on. You can't just pop up there and BTS for the next day.
0: Well, and it's I think you're maybe uniquely qualified to be doing this and kind of helping people in that way because I you have this. You're almost like a hoarder to me. It's like you need to have every song right. that everyone played, all the new stuff that isn't even out yet. And and now it's turned into you don't just need to have it, but now yeah. there's this drive to, to like push it, it out. Yeah. yeah, change it and push it out. It might come from baseball card collecting or something. I don't know. Did you do that when you were a kid? Yeah, I was,
1: I was obsessed with baseball cards. You know. Was
0: it the same? Like were you cataloging yeah, each? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I had
1: a whole room. I, instead of having a closet for my clothes, my closet became my baseball card room. Wow. And it would just be re-cataloged. Yeah. Same sense, I guess. Uh, now I, I kind of cover it up by saying I need all the songs for the DJ service. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> but, you know, and now I have a, a great system where I can, besides getting exclusives, I have a way to get almost every release every day, 500 songs a day, something yeah. like that. But um, Well, and you're
0: always up on like the weird Russian website. Yeah, let's not, let's and- not talk about that. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, so yeah, I, I do... Th- like think about that sometimes mentally, like what the hell's wrong with me? But um but then after an hour of searching for something and I find something really good, I'd be like, well, oh, that worked out. It feels good, right? Like
0: to hunt something down like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And 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 there was this sense when SoundCloud was really popping of of looking through these guys with no followers, yeah. and and but now I've come to the realization, you know, even doing girl traps and doing the BBC mixes, I could spend f- twenty hours going through unknown people to find two songs. Yeah, it's almost and,
0: too much now. And, it,
1: and and but the problem is, or I could reach out to my network of people that I know make good shit and say, send me new shit. Yeah, and I'm gonna get twenty songs, and that is a proven thing. I've proven that to my own brain for the last five releases. So yeah. It's falling off a little bit more, but there's so many outlets now where if something is decently
0: good, someone's going to hear it and somehow it's going to get to me, I guess. Yeah. Well, you blew my mind. I'll never forget back in the day, MySpace era, when everyone was posting stuff on MySpace, but you can't download MySpace songs. They're streaming, right? And you showed me... It wasn't even a hack. It was just like a weird way. I don't even remember this. This was a weird, (laughs) like, something you would put in the URL of the address so that you could download the songs Mm. from MySpace. Like, you know, because MySpace obviously stores them on a server somewhere. yeah. And you had somehow figured out, like, just what you needed to type in the URL so you could just steal everybody's MySpace songs (laughs) and that was like the best I did that for years the whole
1: thing about and I get mad sometimes when these kids reach out to me you can find anything on Google man you just gotta Google that shit
0: there's yeah. a way to hack
1: anything. Yeah. And I almost feel like two, there's a way to find any song. Like there I have weird Google search things and like hey, Diplo made a song with you know Bono and Elton John that he made yesterday. I'm gonna be able to find that somehow.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be able to go to engineer's house. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you I mean people have gotten mad at you sometimes, right? For yeah, uh, there's
1: been well, oh, there's always been mistakes where I deal with so many songs and then I'll accidentally put a private one on on the dj service but i mean I, I like to say my track record is pretty good but in those people's shoes though i do understand why they're upset yeah unless they're an artist that nobody keeps f- <laughs> deep about and the <laughs> you song swear was, man we're and not. the song wasn't going to be big to begin with and you're mad at me because it came out a week early well fuck you yeah. but <laughs> if i did make a mistake yeah but um now though you know with a bigger thing i'm obviously asking permission and and the group of people that i'm sharing this with are people that you want to have player songs right so it's kind of a give and take and i've I've been lucky to help you know like somebody like san holo where i discovered hey this dude makes amazing remixes let me give him some acapellas and he created a bunch of remixes for my projects and then he goes on to be san holo and you know there's case by case like that where getting exclusives or or having these younger people do stuff for me for my
0: projects has resulted you know yeah to oh, benefits
1: and then boom, absolutely. boom. boom and
0: then here we go absolutely i mean you, you know the the songs we worked on together over the years i don't know we've done two or three or four or yeah, something. vibes and vibes and paradise and uh, the gucci man thing There was something else too yeah and i did some remixes for some of your early mixtapes yeah. uh we did a cool kids remix. You remember that with us and Craze. Uh It was like a Miami base. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's we've done a lot, man. But you know, definitely, even for me, like I was, I was small time back then, and especially that Gucci Man one that helped me out a lot. Yeah, was that like was a high fun profile. One. Yeah. yeah, you know, and yeah. Actually, the best part, just so we can flex for a second, my favorite part of the Gucci Man one was that. Pitchfork reviewed that whole Gucci Man remix album and they just shit-canned it. They said it was terrible and they said the only good song on there was the one that we did. There and I'll go. always remember that since <laughs> probably the only time. Shouts to Pitchfork. Yeah, thanks Pitchfork. They uh, Are they still relevant? I uh, Yeah, I think they're still pretty powerful. When I release my rock album, they better give me a good rating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's when you really know you made it is Pitchfork yeah. reviews your rock album. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's like... I don't even know where to go from this cuz you you're such a hustler like you have so many projects at the same time it's hard for me to even know what to talk about like you have the DJ service you you're making all these edits you're working with these big name DJs you have twerk which we haven't even talked yep. about you know, you're touring as Benzie, you're still doing the radio shows, which we haven't talked about. Like, yep. and, and for me, because what I do is like, I make my music, yeah, and like that's what I do, you know, right. and, I, and I tour, and obviously, you know, I do other shit. we're doing this podcast, but <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm single minded, I like to focus on this one thing. And I think about trying to juggle all those projects, and like my eyes just yeah, start it's crossing. Kind
1: of, it's good, it's good, and it's bad, you know. Some people know me just for one thing, and, and some people know me for everything. Um, and that's kind of what coming up is kind of bringing everything together. I'm like working on an actual like Girl Chaps album to go off the mixes, which have been going on for so long and have luckily been pretty uh, successful. Yeah, I think uh, it's just about having a whiteboard in your room and being like, do this, you know. And overall, I'm, I'm not that big a procrastinator, but, like as much as I was in college. But yeah, it's just kind of if I have a deadline for the BBC, they're going to be pissed at me. I've had them pissed at me before. You had the yeah, the BBC pissed at you? <laughs> it, it's not good, so
0: you got to do that. And um, I mean, that's the British Broadcasting Company, man. Yeah, that's a whole is. country mad at you. And, and 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 yeah, that's a big
1: deal. So get that shit done. <laughs> uh, and or you're doing a mix for the Chainsmokers radio show, and you tell them it's gonna, you know, get that shit done. So that's fun. And and a lot of the other stuff I do is fun. You know what I mean? Like making the edits and stuff, and you know, coming up with these ideas and stuff is is fun. And it all kind of ties in together. Like I'm working on this Coachella. Benzie, uh, girl traps thing with eccentric next weekend. Well, I'm spend hours, hours, hours on this because it's going to also. Turn into the Benzie Girl Chaps Tour, right? Right. But then also, I'm gonna take that material and put it on Girl Chaps 12, which is out May 14th on BBC Radio. So it kind of all intertwines. Um, but it's, I, I mean, you know, I spend hours and hours and hours. Do you sleep? I feel like you don't sleep. Oh, no, that I, much. yeah. I got, I got a, if I'm coming back from Asia and stuff, I'm on a messed up thing where I'm, you know, staying awake till seven in the morning. But usually, yeah, I get uh, normal sleeping. All right. I was in a position before where I had, you know, a living girlfriend and i had kind of a normal life and that kind of structure led to almost less productivity mm. because it's hey let's go to bed at 10 p.m or let's yeah. do normal life shit back um, in michigan yeah back yeah. in michigan um and that so now not having that and, and living in la and having you know okay well i know i'm gonna go to gold's gym sometime today but besides that fuck it let's dick around and do shit yeah uh is is, is fun yeah, <laughs> <laughs> to a point, you know, until I run myself into the ground, but I don't know, man, it seems like you're going pretty well. Yeah, I feel I'm healthy. <laughs> but no, I think it's eventually I'm going to have people helping me with stuff and there's something coming up that is really big that uh is going to bring everything together. I can't really talk about it yet, but it's kind of it's not very specific. It's, it's a culmination of uh let's say the the plug aspect you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. This is a culmination of all that into uh, one big uh, thing. Well, I don't know what that means, but I'm uh, going to become the next Bill Gates. Oh, okay. I'm going to create my own cell phones. <laughs> no, I'm going to. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a big thing coming out <laughs> later this year.
0: <laughs> You're the words. I'm cutting all of that out. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I mean, this has been awesome. There's a lot more we could cover, but maybe, you know, we'll come back and we'll yeah. do another one of these. Uh, I do want to talk about, though, because I've just always been curious. Like, you said your first tour was overseas, Oslo, Finland, whatever. And I always, you're always overseas. Like, yeah. I feel like. Somehow through the twerk project, I know that got really big in Asia. Yeah, What, what is it like literally being like big in Japan? You know, yeah. like you go over there and you're like a superstar, we're, Yeah, right? we're
1: really big in Indonesia, but you know, I'm lucky, you know, John's uh, eccentric is a pretty level-headed person. And I've just, you know, I've been doing this so long and I've dealt with great moments with the like Guns and Roses thing or great moments where I meet someone real famous or great moments where my parents are really proud of me. Too, mundane moments into moments of just blah or going somewhere and knowing, knowing who I am or, or having a situation where I kicked off in Vegas. Yeah. So when you have that level-headedness and you go somewhere and you get 2,000 people screaming you and they all want to hug you and it's it's nice, but it's, you know, it's kind of not real life. Yeah. Um, but then I also would say, I said to John, say I would say almost to myself, well the fuck don't you just don't move here? Become... Uh, the next Ryan Seacrest and pop shit off, but um,
0: you really could though, right? I yeah, mean, yeah,
1: I guess. Yeah, it's surreal. I guess is the way to put it,
0: or it's not real. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Well, it's like it's it's a, a window into what could be a different life, right? I mean, it's real that they, they are yeah. actually your fans, yeah. but you're gonna leave their country and go back here,
1: yeah. And, oh, yeah, and then you know, and then yeah, and then you do a show. In, you know, a market where you're not that big and no one cares and people are coming up apologizing saying, oh, you, you're my favorite DJ. We can't believe this. So it's that balance. Yeah. we're OK, so in Indonesia and in some of these cities, we get to experience what Diplo and these guys experience every day. And a lot of it's overwhelming. Uh, you go to your hotel room and there's people already been in there setting up all these gifts. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And a lot of it too is they schedule your whole day. So you, I'm used to going to the hotel and walking around these cities. I my, you know, put my headphones on and explore. They're like, do you have to do this? You know, this, that, this, and, and that whole um, being in demand is a great thing, but also it's pretty overwhelming. And um, and signing two thousand autographs or whatever it was yeah. is, is very time consuming. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, your risk. And one tired. of the funny stories
1: was one of the people that waited one time at one of these shows in Indonesia was a young rich chiga. Ah. Brian and Brian, I think, didn't you know? Maybe I was a little bit tired or whatever. I don't think I was the nicest to him. So when I f- started following him, he said, You asshole, I went to your concert and waited <laughs> for you in Indonesia. So, but no, I it, it's 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 cool. I mean, how can you complain about it?
0: Well, uh, hey, man, this has been really dope. Uh, I'm glad we got to sit down and do this. We're going to do it again. I don't know. I guess this is the part where we just go back to talking about TV shows and movies that no one else yeah. has ever heard of.
1: Uh, scam. If you all don't know about Scam, go in the Fader. They did an article on it. It's the it's the young Norwegian version of uh, what? High school uh, drama, yeah, yeah. It's like Skins, it's or like, like Skins, but yeah, it shit's dope. You can go on like Google Drive and find links. Uh, Terrace House, if you like reality shows, watch uh, Terrace House. Japanese, like kind of real world thing. It's on Netflix. Two different
0: seasons. Uh, man, me and Willie know about all them TV shows. Yeah. Well, and this is this is what I'm saying, man. This is you all over. This is baseball cards. This is getting every edit, like you know, yeah. every Japanese TV show. Yeah. It's it's something, man. That's why I like hanging around with you. <laughs> <laughs> what? What do? I, there's some things I don't know about. I'm saying the things you collect. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You go super deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. True. No, True. That. I'm sure there's plenty you don't know about. I don't know about Sean Spicer. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Sean Spicer. That's how we can end that interview. But no, thank you, man. This was fun.
1: Uh, i'm happy you're doing this podcast and interview uh, ghost producers
0: oh yeah i'm definitely i actually want to do that interview do that my really ghost bit. producer yeah i will who is he uh eccentric yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah Yo, shout out to eccentric out there <laughs>
1: oh but no man thank you yeah thank you
0: man peace Please. All right, that's the show. I want to thank Benzie so much for uh, taking the time to sit down and talk with me. I email back and forth with him almost every day. We talk all the time, but we rarely get a chance to really sit down like this. And, uh, man, we had so much fun. It was just a treat, and I really hope you guys liked it, too. Make sure to watch out for Benzie's Get Right Radio Summer Edition. It's premiering July 9th this week on the Diplo and Friends BBC radio show. And uh, watch out for the Girl Traps tour coming at the end of the summer, Benzie's Vegas debut in August, and Benzie's Girl Traps EP on the way with uh, the first single, She Just Wanna. So keep an eye out for all of that. That's coming soon. My name is Willie Joy. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I fucking love you guys. Uh, I can't say that enough. You can follow me on all social media at Willie Joy. That's Willie with a Y. Next week, we got a really special episode with uh, Yeah, Me Too coming on the program. Josh, formerly of Flostradamus fame. And uh, we talk about his new project and everything else that's going on with him. uh, And it's a really cool conversation. So I'll see you guys next week for that one. My name is Willie Joy. Take care. Have a good week. Bye. (laughs)